2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 2. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Give me a good amen when you're there. You there? Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the Bible reads like this. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Father, I ask you tonight in the name of Jesus that you would just allow my heart, my mind to be anointed by you, to speak, to minister, to communicate the values and the principles that I have discovered right here in this ministry that have helped shape my life and helped me become a person that can follow you regardless of the country, regardless of the circumstance. You have shaped my life in this atmosphere, and I pray that you would help me to communicate and transmit those same things that you have used to affect my life to affect somebody else's life, that tonight people would be impacted by your word in Jesus' name, and everybody together said amen, amen. You can go ahead and be seated here tonight. Now, here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible is, this is the Apostle Paul, and this is getting into the latter time of his life, that he's in preparation to, he, he's, he, death is near, he, he's looking at his life, he's looking at the situation, he's ready to go forward if necessary, but he's also ready to go on to heaven if the Lord is to take him. And he writes this book to his spiritual son. And many chapters, many things are being taught throughout this entire book. But right here, this portion of scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, is a challenge and an encouragement to his spiritual son to take the things that have been transmitted to him, to take the things that have helped shape him and mold him into the young man that he was becoming and find other men that he can transmit those things to that in return, they would be able to disciple others. In other words, he had a sense of urgency in his voice that the things that the Lord has deposited within my life, I have done my best to deposit them into your life in hope that the legacy would continue, in hope that the vision that God had given to the Apostle Paul for the Gentiles would not decease after he deceased. That the vision that God had for the outcast, that the vision that God had for those that were not Jews, that were unclean, that didn't fit in the traditional type of church would not die, but they would still always have a place regardless of the apostle to the Gentiles was going on to be in heaven. The Gentile nation would still have a place to come. He had a heart for the people that he was reaching and therefore he knew that his time was coming to an end, but his vision must be continued. He knew that his life on earth was short, but the vision that God had given him had to continue on for the sake of the lost people that the, that the Lord had called him to reach. See, the apostle Paul was nearing the end of his life, and at the end of his ministry on planet earth and in his preparation to depart, he is doing his best to transmit certain values and certain principles into his disciple son, into his disciple, his spiritual son, Timothy. And what he is saying is that the same things that Christ has burned in my heart, I have done my best to burn in your heart. Therefore, in return, I want you to find some like-minded people and burn it in their heart. 
so that the vision that the Lord has given us would continue with us or without us. That the vision that God has given to us would continue with us or without us. Simply said, Paul was saying the legacy that Christ has given to us must continue. Because like my wife was saying, the vision is bigger than us. But there's more Chuckies that are out there. There's more Jose's that are out there. There's more Eddie's that are out there. There's more Anthony's that are out there that didn't have no hope when they looked in the mirror in the morning that would rather take a gun and take their own life that are sitting in motel rooms here tonight that are, that are lost and bound running the streets, addicted to methamphetamines, running around involved in gangs. They're lost and bound. The vision that God has given to us must continue because there are still hurting people that are waiting for the message and the hope and the plan of Jesus Christ. Simply said in the message version, I like the way it's written. He says, so my son, throw yourself into this work for Christ. Pass on what you heard from me. The whole congregation, pass on what you've heard, me to, for heard from me to the whole congregation. To reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. When the going gets tough, take it on the chin with the rest of us, the way Jesus did. A soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in making deals at the marketplace. He concentrates on carrying out orders. An athlete refuses to play by the rules, will never get anywhere. It's the diligent farmer who gets the produce. Think it over, God will make all of this plain to you. And we, as a, having the privilege to sit under the leadership of Pastor Steve and also Pastor Josie, have been able to catch certain values, have been able to catch certain mindsets, certain convictions that have helped shape our lives, that regardless of the country, regardless of the culture, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the pressured times, we have been able to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ because of certain values and certain principles that were given to us. And in return, the same encouragement that the Apostle Paul gave to Timothy, we have taken this pulpit from Pastor Jose all the way to myself and done our best to do the things that have caught a hold of our lives and transmit it to the next generation that is coming up. Is there still soldiers in the house of the Lord? Is there, is there still men and women that are on fire for God that, that are willing to take a risk for Jesus? Is there, is there still missionaries in the house of God? Is, is there still people that sense of calling in their life in the house of God? Is there still on fire? God's anointed now generation in the house of God. It's victory. There's still a fire. There's still a mission. There's still a vision that is so clear. And you can sense it when you walk through the doors the same way I sensed it 15 years ago. There was some atmosphere that had been created that captured my life. Uh, I wasn't a believer. Uh, I didn't have a lot of hope. My father was a drug addict. My mother was a drug addict. Jesus wasn't that real to me. God wasn't that real to me. But there was an atmosphere that I stepped into when I came through the doors of Victory Outreach. And that atmosphere revealed to me that God was real and God had a plan for my life. And I thank God for the culture that God has established right here in Victory. Come on and give the Lord a good round of applause. So the legacy that God has given to us in this great movement, Victory Outreach International, through the life of Pastor Sonny and then passed on to the life of Pastor Steve, and then also 
giving us the privilege and the opportunity to be passed on to us must continue. To see Nathan and Janine here tonight, we know that they have caught a hold of what God is doing in their life and now have become a part of the first team there in South Africa, the first of many that will take different cities and different countries in the great continent of Africa. See, there are certain key things, convictions, principles, and values that we have received from our spiritual father and our spiritual mother and this great beautiful church that have helped shape our life to help us become the people that we are today. And these things, we're doing our best to continue to pass on, not only here, but in different countries around the world. Knowing that these principles are, are bigger than culture, these principles are bigger than language, these principles are bigger than any lifestyle that we may come from, and they work for everybody. They are, they are not subject to this country or that country. They're principles that have been instilled within our lives that no matter what country we go to, they work for people. And these, if you can catch them and get them inside of you, they could work for you as well. How many want to serve the Lord for the long haul? How many want to be around for a while? How many don't want on short-term Christianity or just doing on a six-month thing or a one-year thing? But how many want to continue in this thing like our founders and our elders and that have been around for 45, 50 years serving the Lord? These values and these principles have helped them to get to where they're at. And if you and I internalize them, we can get there too. There are certain things that I learned coming under the leadership of Pastor Steve. There were certain things that he communicated, not only in his messages, but in his lifestyle. And those things, and I don't have enough time to communicate everything, but there are four things that I want to target here tonight to help do my best to, in this month of legacy, pass on the things that have been passed on to me. The first thing that really, really caught a hold of my life was the element of vision. Pastor Steve was a visionary. He had a vision for the outcast. He had a vision for souls. He had a vision for the lost. He had caught a hot and he didn't want to get well. Come on, somebody. And he said, don't even pray for me. See, one of the things that I caught sitting under the leadership of Pastor Steve and the beautiful ministry here was the vision of Victory Outreach International. It was made so clear to me and not only did I understand the vision, but I was able to see that I could play a part in the vision. That there was room for people like me. That regardless of the background that I came from, there was a spot that I could play. And even if it was just catching foul balls, I wanted to play. Come on, somebody. If it was just catching the ball that went over the fence that nobody else wanted, I was willing to go after that ball and catch that ball. Is there anybody willing to catch foul balls for the Lord? Hallelujah. There was a, 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 a sense of future. There was a sense of destiny that was communicated. He used to say, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit in Victory Outreach. You can go as high as you want to go. He used to teach us that if you go for it, it's there for you. And then not only do that, he would create opportunities. Go to the Philippines. I said, Phil, what? I didn't even know Philippine or Philippine or where I was going. I was so fresh. They said, get a passport. I said, what's that? I didn't even know what a passport was. I had no idea about any of these things. So not only did he share the vision, but he created opportunity for us to get in the vision. And by going to the Philippines on my first one, the Asian invasion, I was with Esteban. Come on, somebody, Pastor Esteban. And we had a good time. Hallelujah. It was hotter than hot. Come on, somebody. And I had a big red sweatshirt. And I, I think I was bigger than I am now. I don't know. I might be as big as same now. I don't know. But I was hot. Brother. I was sweating. But I had a taste of the mission field. 
I had a taste of, wow, a, a person like me can get on a plane and travel to a different part of the world. Pastor Steve used to say himself, I have no vision. My vision is to see your vision and my pastor's vision come to pass. But this same man that said he had no vision had plenty of vision. See, although he himself said he had no vision, but he was the same one that got, into a, got a vision from God for the Philippines and went to the Philippines with three phone numbers in his pocket. He was obedient to that vision, and today you and I have a wonderful ministry there in the Philippines. This man that said he had no vision is the same man that caught a burden for South Africa, got into a plane and went to Cape Town and weeped throughout the night there in the presence of the Lord and began to get understanding of what God wanted to do in this beautiful country, came back and shared that vision. And today, my friend, not only in Cape Town, but we have four going on five churches in seven years in South Africa. He said he had no vision, but he had plenty of vision. In Acts 26, 19, the Bible says, the apostle Paul talking to King Agrippa, he said, he says, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. That God had given the apostle Paul a vision and he was going to give himself to that vision. And I believe that God has given Victory Outreach International a vision. And our, our founders and that pioneer generation has given themselves to this vision. And Pastor Steve was a main part of this vision. See, Pastor v Steve's vision always complemented the vision of Victory Outreach International. And when he shared, his vision was more than a dream. It was more than a dream. He didn't come behind the pulpit and share a dream. And I'm sure it may have started off as a dream. But through a lot of time of prayer and fasting, that dream became a vision from God. So when he shared it, he wasn't just sharing a dream of selfish gain, but he was sharing a God-given vision of what God wanted to do in different parts around the world. See, there is a difference, my friend, between having a dream and a vision. A dream, I, I believe that all visions may start off as a dream. I believe that we get certain desires and we, we get certain ideas of things that are possibilities that could happen. But that, vis, that dream must be brought through a process to be able to be confirmed and clarified. It's not only a dream. It's not only wishful thinking, but it's something that God wants to do in society today. See, it is seen in the book of Nehemiah. I'm reading a book, and it says the magic of Nehemiah. The magic of Nehemiah was that when he heard about the condition of the walls of Jerusalem, I'm sure he had a dream on what the walls should look like. I'm sure he had a burden of what those walls should look like, but he didn't start his work with just a dream. He didn't start his work with just a burden. The Bible says that he went into a time of prayer and fasting and weeping. And through his prayer and his fasting and weeping, he began to bring his dream to the throne of God. And I believe after he was spending that time there with God, God began to ignite faith in certain parts of that dream. And those places that he was igniting faith, he was sharing, you can cut that part out and you can cut that part out, but this part right here is really what I want to do. This part right here is not a dream. It's a vision. It's a God-given vision of what I want to accomplish. And by the time he came out of that prayer closet, it was no longer just a dream or a wishful thinking. It was a God-given vision of what he wanted to accomplish within the walls of Jerusalem. So when Nehemiah stood before the people, he didn't stand before the people and share a dream. He shared a vision of what God wanted to do. And the people, and the Bible says that the people responded with all their hearts. People respond to vision. 
not to dreams. People respond to vision. I, I felt so convicted when I was there in Cape Town and I was thinking, you know, sometimes you get and you can inspire the people. You come before them, you can stir it up and preach and get it going. And the people respond, come to the altar, they're broken there in the presence of the Lord. But then as they get to work, it's so short-lived. And the Lord says, why have you responded with all your heart? Because your pastor didn't share a dream. He shared a vision. It wasn't just a dream or wishful thinking. He spent time in the presence of the Lord. So therefore, when he stood before the people, it wasn't just a desire that he wanted to see come to pass. It was God showing him, this is what I want to do in the Philippines. This is what I want to do in South Africa. So when he shared with us, he didn't share a dream. He shared, this is what God wants to do in the Philippines. This is what God wants to do in South Africa. And we can feel the conviction of his heart. So therefore, my friend, we were willing to work with all our hearts. We were willing to give our lives to the vision. How many believe that the vision is still alive? The vision is still burning. And my question is, is there still men and women that are willing to work with all their hearts, that are willing to give themselves to fulfill and accomplish a vision here on planet Earth? There are still people in the Philippines that are dying. I think we're going in November. We're going to shake that puppy up. We're going to shake that, but we're going to let them know that, that there's hope for the drug addict. There's hope for the gang member. You don't have to die addicted to meth. You don't, you don't have to put a rope around your neck. You don't have to commit suicide. Jesus Christ can change your life. There's a vision, and there's a difference between sharing a dream and sharing a vision. Pastor Steve didn't share a dream with us, although it may have started off as a dream. But by the time he came out of prayer and fasting, it was a vision from God of what God wanted to accomplish in the inner cities of the Philippines and South Africa. I believe this same process Pastor Sonny went through when God was giving him the vision for Victory Outreach International. It wasn't just a dream of maybe, man, it would be nice to see these drug addicts come off of the streets. It would be nice to see these gang members get saved. It would be a nice thing to happen. But it wasn't just a nice thing. It was what God wanted to do for the inner cities of the world. And therefore, when he shared... When you think about the eldership, they worked with all their hearts. When you think about that pioneer generation, they worked with all their hearts. Even to their deathbed, they continued to work for the Lord. Because it wasn't a dream that was shared, my friend. It was a vision from God. We're involved in the vision that the Lord has for the inner cities. See, when Nehemiah first heard about the condition of the walls of Jerusalem, he had a dream of what it could look like. He brought that dream into a time of fasting and prayer and weeping. By the time he finished in his prayer closet, he no longer just had a dream, but he came out with a vision that God wanted to do something for Jerusalem. So when he shared that vision, not just a dream, the Bible says that the people responded and worked with all their hearts. They worked with all their hearts. How many men and women have been working for all that, with all their hearts? Come on, somebody. Come on. How many are really to work under the grace and the anointing of God, been able to give themselves? God has given a vision to the victory outreach here. That Hayward is our pulpit and the world is our congregation. That was not a dream, my friend. That was a vision that God had given. And we've been working with all our hearts ever since. Praise the Lord. Come on and clap a little bit if you believe it. Not only did I learn vision under the leadership of Pastor Stephen, this beautiful church, but secondly, I learned character and integrity. I learned to have character and integrity to not be two people, 
to not be, you know, smiling faces, smiling faces, tell lies. They smile in your face. Come on, somebody. But all the while, they want to take your place. Backstabbers. Come on, somebody. We learned to be real. We learned that the same person we seen on Sunday morning if we went to the house would be the same family that we seen on Monday. We, we learned that it was okay to be transparent, but maybe, you know, you don't have to be too transparent, but to be real. And I think that's what attracted me most is that I had lived a life based and surrounded by so many lies and so much deception and so much trust that the more I watched his life, because as a dope feed, I was watching his life. When I came into the home, I was checking him out, especially during the time of the offering. Come on, somebody. Uh, it's time for tithes and offering. And I was checking him out and watching his life, but the more I checked it out and the more I watched it, the more real I seen it was, the more genuine I seen it was. And I began to say, hey, man, this is a real thing. This is a genuine thing. Why would I, if I was willing to die for a lie, how much more should I be willing to lie, die for the truth? That's why I would go to Indonesia. That's why I would go, because we were used to being in those situations of death and murder and violence. But now we're going to be willing to live for the lie. Live for the truth. Live for the truth that had been revealed. And he had taught us in his simple teachings to have integrity, to be people of character. See, another thing that Pastor Steve transmitted into our lives by modeling preaching and discipleship and helped shape many of us into the people that we are today is to be people of character and integrity. Character that would help us with longevity. And integrity that would help us make the choices along the way. Character that would help us with longevity. And integrity that would help us make choices along the way. One person says, in great, matters, in great matters, men show themselves as they wish to be seen. In small matters, that's who they really are. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what you make others think. Character is moral or ethical quality, qualities of honesty, courage, and reputation. See, when we got saved, we stepped into an atmosphere that modeled and shaped our character. We learned that our private life would eventually give birth to our public life. We learned that the battle was on our knees and everything else was popcorn. We learned when push comes to shove, we're going to see what you're made of. We learn, we learn, how do you know you're on the road to success? It's uphill all the way. We, we learn that God don't raise up no cha-chas. You got to be a solid soldier for the kingdom of God. We learn how to love our wives and take care of our families. We learn integrity in the house of God. We learn these things under his discipleship and his leadership that helps shape our lives that no matter where we're at, we can make the right choices. When under the gun, don't run. God used to create an atmosphere God used him to create an atmosphere where our faith was conditioned, conditioned to last, conditioned to last. He taught us that there were some things that we needed to stand against, like fear, doubt, and discouragement, but then there were other things that we needed to flee from. There were certain things that you needed to stand against. When, when fear, you need to keep your faith level higher than your fear level. And I remember being in Indonesia, intimidated, wanting to run. But those teachings would come back to me that I needed to keep my faith level higher than my fear level. Therefore, I would not be dismayed. But there were other teachings that would teach us to run the red light. Ah, he taught us that sometimes it's good to stand. 
But sometimes it's good to run. Sometimes it's good to hit the dough. I'm thinking, will I live another 24? Come on, somebody. <laughs> he taught us that there were some things that were needed to stand against, but other things we needed to flee from. We needed to flee from the love of money. And we needed to flee from sexual immorality. He would share the analogy time and time again about a, you pulling up in a red light, looking good. Come on, somebody. Pull up, and then he would always use the, the red Corvette, right, or the, the brother, yeah. And he would pull it up, and then there's, you're at the red light, and someone pulls next to you. Good-looking girl. Hot mama. Come on, somebody. And she rolls down the window, and she tells you, hey, roll down the window. And you roll the window, you roll down the window, and she says, don't I know you? You're faced with a choice. He said, run the red light. Get the ticket. <laughs> Just run the red light. Get away from that. Get away from that. And that principle has been burned in our hearts that when there's times of temptation, when there's times that are getting, getting into us and, and there's times of that, those sexual temptation and that, that love of money and those different things that, that have the ability to contaminate your life and cause a fall in your life that can last you a long time, that there's some things you need to stand against, but there's some things you need to be willing to get out of the way. And when you get out of the way, you're safeguarding your life. You're protecting your life. And those values, my friend, have taught me to be an only American there in Indonesia and regardless of the temptation I had certain principles and certain values that I learned to flee I learned to run and here I am 15 years later I'm still living for God there were certain things that were taught to us instilled in us that helped shape the way we think helped shape the way we act so that regardless of the culture the country, the pressure, the society we could take a stand for the Lord Character integrity, we must have it. See, he taught us it is better to run the red light and get the ticket rather than stay and fall into temptation. The character that was shaped under his leadership and in the atmosphere of the church has enabled us to take a stand for Christ in different countries, different cultures, different circumstances, different pressures. Pastor Steve has taught us to be Christians that will last. Anybody could look good in the beginning. Anybody can start strong. Anybody could sound good and testify. I remember Brother Lenny telling me, I don't get, it, I don't get uh, uh, too overwhelmed by a good, good testimony. He says, when I see you in 25 years from now, then you come and talk to me. Because you can get that mic and anybody could stir up the crowd. Anybody could do those types of things. But when you've been serving the Lord for a period of time and you've been consistent in the Lord for a period of time, how many know that God is raising up not just good starters, but good finishers for the kingdom of God? And Pastor Steve used to say, close is only good in, 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 in horseshoes and, and hand grenades. Come on, somebody. Getting close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades, but not in Christianity. There is no cinch domino. 
in the house of God. There, there is no sin stone. In other words, not all of us, not just because you get saved are you going to make it, because you get a title you're going to make it, or because you become a pastor doesn't mean you got to learn to fight the good fight. You got to learn to be able to be somebody in your private life that can shine in your public life because eventually your private life will come and get you. You got to have that solid devotional life, that solid prayer time, that solid in, in the relationship with God. And if you don't have it, the devil's going to come. He used to teach us that the battle's on your knees. Everything else is popcorn. Jesus went to the cross with popcorn because the battle was in the garden. And if you don't have a garden, you're not going to be able to carry that cross. If you don't have a garden, you're not going to be able to carry that cross. How many are committed to the garden? Come on, sweating in that garden, fighting that devil in that garden. Come on, somebody, that when you come out of the garden, you can pick that cross up. It's no problem. The cross was popcorn. The battle was won on our knees. The next thing that he instilled in us, and I'm trying to move fast for the sake of time, is that Pastor Esteban hit on it, was that he taught us to be humble. He taught us to practice humility within our lives. Another value that has been transmitted into our lives under the leadership of Pastor Steve and in the atmosphere of Victor Outreach Hayward was the value of humility. He used to say the best way up is down. His last message to Victory Outreach International was one of Sonny's guys. He used the analogy of a tugboat. It takes a smaller boat to lead the big boat. He said if there was no Chino, there would be no Sonny. If there was no Andrew, there would be no Peter. In other words, he was teaching us to be content with what you got. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't try to prove yourself to this person, that person. He used to teach us, just be great in the sight of the Lord. Just, just serve the Lord. Just put a smile on God's face. God was the only one who bought the ticket. Nobody else bought the ticket for your life. Nobody else paid the price for your life. Nobody else shed their blood for your life. There's only one that paid the price, and that was Jesus Christ. He paid the price on that cross, and therefore it is his purchase that should be entertained. That the life that we live is not to please brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, or anybody. The life that we live is the life that we live to please the Lord. Be great in the sight of the Lord. He used to teach us, don't look for the limelight. Be content with the, the lamb light. Be content with God's light. Be content under, under God seeing you. He, he said his favorite story in the Bible was when uh, Barak went and fought the lion in the snow, right, Barak? Benaiah. Benaiah went and fought the lion in the snow. He said nobody was around in the snow. There wasn't a crowd there in the snow. But he knew that that lion had the potential to destroy his people. So he said no one else is going to fight the lion. Even if no one else is around and nobody else sees, Benaiah still had a willingness to fight the lion. He didn't do it to be seen by this person, that person, or the other. He had the sense of, I'm going to do it because there's a, there's a cause. There's a, there's a people that are dying, and, and that's what we are, Ministry of Victory Outreach. There's a lion trying to destroy the inner cities of the world, and it doesn't matter who's around. We should be willing to serve the Lord. We should be willing to take a stand for God, not trying to get brownie points or entertain this person, that person, or the other, but we're willing to take a stand because God has saved us and delivered us. How many have been delivered by the grace of God? Yeah. Never try to be someone you're not. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, 
in the message says, so be content with who you are and don't put on a, a show. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God because he is most concerned about you. He used to teach us it doesn't matter who does the job as long as the job gets done. I think his teachings have helped me operate on a team when others have struggled. I think the teachings of it doesn't matter who does the job. It doesn't matter who gets the glory. If one of us shine, all of us shine. If, if one of us do great, then all of us do great. We're all scoring points for the Lord. Whatever role God has raised you up to play, play it with all your heart. Whatever gifting the Lord has given you, be content with that gifting. And don't try to be somebody you're not and just be content with who God called you to be. And work, work, work while it is day because the night will come when none of us can work no more. How many want to work for the Lord? Come on and clap for Jesus. My last point is this, is that he taught us loyalty. He taught us to be loyal, to be loyal to God and the cause of Christ, to be loyal to our wives, to be loyal to our children, to be loyal to our families, and to be loyal to the ministry of Victory Outreach International. This was a value that was transmitted to us. That in his going on to heaven, even though we went through a little season of feeling fatherless, but the convictions have been transmitted in us to stay loyal. Stay loyal to the cause of Christ. Stay loyal to the vision. Stay loyal to the ministry that God used to rescue your life. Stay, stay loyal to the people that God used to be around you. Don't, don't ever lose your respect for people that, that God has placed within your life and used within your life. Don't, don't ever uh, you know, go back and start backstabbing and talking bad about people because they didn't jump through the hoop that you wanted them to jump through or they didn't, they didn't do the things that you wanted because they were there when no one else was there. They were, they were the ones that reached you when no one else wanted anything to do with you. They, they, they say, Chucky, are you, you're living a life of sacrifice. I said, this ain't a life of sacrifice for me. I came into that home with a pair of dirty jeans and two yellow t-shirts that used to be white. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, I'm not sacrificing. Brother, I'm getting into airplanes and seeing the most beautiful cities in the world. Uh, when I came into the ministry of Victory Outreach and under the leadership of Pastor Stephen, Pastor Joe, I didn't have nothing to offer. He didn't have nothing to gain from me, from me being in the home. The only thing I probably gave anybody was a headache. Over here, I think I was smoking cigarettes on the side of their house for a little while. I was like three, I was three days in the home. Come on. I was like, I just resurrected. Come on from the dead. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I was on the side of the, the house over there, and they were mowing the lawn and washing the car. And then I was on the side of the house smoking a cigarette, and the staff comes over. Hey, hey, hey you better be careful. You better mind your own business, dude. <laughs> I was sick. Sick, demented, all messed up. I didn't have nothing to offer this ministry. I didn't have nothing to give. They seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. They put up with me when no one else would put up with me. They were loyal to me before I was loyal to them. Why, do, why are we loyal? Because they were loyal to us. He who's been forgiveth much loveth much. We love Christ because he loved us first. We, we love the ministry because the ministry loved us first. We, we love Pastor Sonny because Pastor Sonny loved us first. We love Pastor Steve and Pastor, because they loved us first. They loved us when no one else loved us. They believed in us when no one else believed in us. They put up with us when no one else wanted to put up with us. That's why we are a committed, loyal congregation of God that is willing.
accepted us. When no one else accepted us, they accepted us. When no one else loved us, they loved us. I want to thank God for this ministry. I want to thank God for this movement. I want to thank God for leaders. I want to thank God for this vision. We were lost. Nathan was lost. He was hopeless. There in the streets, we reached him and loved him. And look at him now. He's going to be a pastor in Mitchell's Plain. There's Filipinos that are raising up. No one else would have gave us a chance. There's some of you that are probably educated. And praise the Lord, Chica had plenty of opportunities. She was good in another ministry before she came to us. And I'm sure there's some of you like that. And that's beautiful. And the Lord draws you. And he brings you in. And he says, partner with this. Partner with this. But the vision, the vision, although it didn't reach her, it affected her. She came in and she said, this is the heart of God. It's not the sick. It's not the well that need a doctor. It's the sick. This ministry is like the heart of Jesus for the inner cities. And those that don't come from drug addiction, you sense that. You sense that. But it doesn't change the fact that this vision affects people that would have an opportunity nowhere else. And not only trophies in the house of God sitting and testifying periodically. Come on up and share your testimony, brother. But this ministry has been established for us to get into our original callings, to get into the purpose that the Lord had for our lives. God had never created us to be animals locked up. God had never created us to be dolphins in the street. God had never created us. And God has raised up a ministry to give us back our dignity, to give us back a, a, an opportunity to do something for the Lord. And I, I'm not sacrificing. I go to the most beautiful cities in the world. I, I get into airplanes. I, sometimes I sit business class. I, I'm able to travel the world. I should have died in a garage with a hot pipe in my hand. I should have died on a bike with two flat tires. The only thing alive on me was my fingers when I was rolling the pipe. But I thank God for a ministry that when I didn't have nothing to offer, this ministry stepped in and said, you're not a drug addict, you're not a gang member, you're not a plan for your life. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for the ministry of Victory Outreach. I'm grateful for the leaders that God has used in my life, and no matter where I go until I get to heaven, I will be with the ministry of God. Loyalty to the cause of Christ. Loyalty to our families. He taught me to be a good husband. I know I'm a headache, but I love my wife, and I ain't ashamed to show it. And if anybody looks at her too long, they might catch an old school nose. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Just letting you know right now. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I've learned to take care of my wife. I've learned to say I'm sorry. That wasn't normal in my house. To say I'm sorry, to humble myself before my wife. I learned that by watching. I learned how to be there for my kids and love my kids and take care of my kids. And I'm still learning. Try not to get too busy in this thing and stay balanced with my family. But I wouldn't even think like that if it wasn't for the leadership that was placed in my life. That wasn't the model I had at home. That wasn't the model that I grew up under. But when I came into the house of God, God gave me new models, new leaders, new people that would impact the way I think, that would impact the way I feel, the way I act. 
I thank God even when I went to the Philippines, he said, brother, you ain't going to help these Filipinos being a cholo. You're going to have to take them dickies off, that white t-shirt, and you have to put on a button-up. Come on, somebody. And even the button-up gets a little tight. I still wear them till today. Come on, somebody. Come on now. I don't walk the way I used to walk. Come on, somebody. I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't think the way I used to think because God has used a beautiful ministry to shape our lives. And therefore, be loyal to this is easy. It's no problem. I'm loyal to this because they were first loyal to me. We love Christ because he loved us first. We love the ministry because they loved us first. I want everybody to stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at and begin to just in your own way talk to the Lord. Come on, begin to talk to the Lord right there where you're at. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, right there where you're at. Begin to talk to Jesus. Begin to talk to the Lord right there where you're at. There's a calling. There's a calling that is so evident. And that calling involves you. That calling is calling out to you. The deep calls out to the deep. There's a call for missionaries. There's a call for for men and women to to take that step of faith and to to give themselves to the work of the Lord. In your business, make sure that business is built for the Lord. In that household, make sure that family is built for the Lord. But I believe there's another call that's going out to to men and women that say, hey, I want to be a part of a team. I want to I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go to Australia. I want to, I want to be a part of something in South Africa. I want, to, I want to be a part of something there in Manila, Philippines. I, I want to be able to partner. I want to, I want to go out. I feel the Lord stirring my heart. And I know that God saved me for a purpose. I was so lost when he came. I was so hurting when he came. I was so confused. But I'm not the same person I used to be. Because God has saved me for a purpose as you're there, right there in your seat, that that calling that has been placed upon this ministry is stirring your heart, it's stirring your life, and you're saying, no, here I am, Lord, I'm in the process, I'm in the preparation part, God's getting me ready, God's God's doing a work in some of my pride, God's God's doing a work in my my unsanctified ego, God God is humbling me, and, and I know he's doing it for a reason, I know he's doing it for a purpose, because God has a plan for my life, and I want to give myself to the work of the Lord. That whatever dimension, wherever you may see yourself serving the Lord, not everybody's going to be a missionary or a pastor, but everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a part to play in the vision that God has given to us. And maybe this, this evening God has ministered to you, challenged you, confirmed to you, refreshed you. I'm not sure the way the Lord has ministered to you. But you felt at some point in this service, God speaking to you. I want you to lift up your hand all over this place. Hallelujah. 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 Look at all the hands. Many hands. Many hands have gone up. Many hands have gone up all over this place. Come on, lift up those hands. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, if your hands are lifted up, I want you to take a second step. I want you to slip out of that seat and I want you to make your way into the altars of the Lord. Come on and come. Come on and come. Make Come as close as you can to create room, create space for everybody.